Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Healthy Project Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Dion Lewis. I have a great guest in the building today. I have Cody Hall. He is the founder and CEO of Activa Healthcare, uh, which is a telehealth uh, or digital health company. Uh, Cody, uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Corey. Excited. Absolutely, absolutely. So before we get into the topic at hand, how about you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and what gets you up in the morning? You know, I think what gets me up in the morning varies. Uh, I find myself to be a very simple person. <laughs> I like I like doing the things that bring me purpose. And so I usually try to be very intentional. Intentional is one of my favorite words. So when I wake up in the morning, I usually like to sit in silence for a while, ponder on my own thoughts. Uh, I do language uh, education every morning. Uh, I, I'm seeking to develop a different part of my brain that isn't numbers and data. And then, of course, I do a little bit of reading. So that's usually me in the morning. Uh, and then when I'm not doing that, I usually hang out with my loved ones. Oh, that's dope, man. That's dope. You, you got to have that. You got to have that, especially with, I'm sure, the, you know, what you're doing as far as, you know, with Activa Health. There has to be a balance. You know, there hasn't always been a balance, though. And I think that, you know, it's so funny. Last night I was sitting down with another founder CEO who I served in the Marine Corps with. And him and I will sit down on occasions and be like, man, I I really hate this job. <laughs> like, who, <laughs> who signed me up for being in charge? And I don't like it. Um, <laughs> and so we signed ourselves up. So we don't have to blame ourselves. But we sat there and we were talking about uh, the different uh, trains of thoughts in regards to how to balance things. And, you know, I've, I used to be, I, I wake up in the morning. I, as I rolled out of bed, I pick up the phone straight the email straight to the coffee straight to the computer and i was there and if i remembered lunch good for me if i didn't it's okay and i just pushed through the day until until i'm like wow oh my goodness the sun just went down and i did that for years and then i realized that by balancing things and actually working you know hours in a day having objectives that i need to achieve today doing things for myself maybe an effective leader better thinker as well right so it made you more productive to slow down very yeah, that, that's that's a good word. That's good for everybody to to know because you don't. No one thinks slowing down will actually I- increase your productivity. It actually, get you further than just constantly grinding and and not taking that taking that breath. Yes, it really fuels the creativity and people undermine. Oh, I'm not being creative. Every time you solve a problem, you're being creative. So, oh, absolutely. That's creativity and pro- problem solving. Uh, they're, you know, we can just call them synonyms for each other in some type of way. So, oh, awesome. I, I love that. I love that, Cody. So, let's talk a little bit about, and I know you're in the, the telehealth world. 
Uh, how has that been for you over the past couple of years or, or for one, when, did, when did it start and um, how, you know, where, where did you get to where you're at now with that? I was in healthcare before working in the chronic illness and population management world. Um, and then, you know, obviously um, a little bit before COVID uh, started, before it was even a thing, you know, at this time in January, it was something going on in Asia and in our minds, right? Mm-hmm. And so, oh, it sounds like in Asia, it sounds like a, it sounds like a, another continent issue, not our issue, right? right. Um, and then, uh, you know, I so, said, you know what, this is a, an idea uh, we should start exploring is telehealth. And so um, I started bringing it up and then eventually uh, the organization I was working with at the time, uh, who, I, who I helped become the organization is today as well as another partner and investor in that organization said, you know, let's do a joint venture. And the CEO is like, I know just the guy to run. And so, uh, because I had been asking about telehealth and, and obviously I have a track record of just, you know, achieving the objective. And so brought me in uh, to say, Hey, Cody, we'll do telehealth. We don't know what we want to do. Just do something telehealth. I'm like, sounds great. I love a canvas. So I stood okay. the organization uh, and kind of just ran with it. But what really I saw the biggest opportunity was, patients during transition and i kind of saw all the different parts of healthcare as its own individual islands and in order to get to the other one you take a ferry a bridge or a plane and sometimes it was, it was really long trips and complicated and patients are just kind of left on their own to figure it out and that's kind of crazy that patients are just left on their own to figure out a very complicated system so and that's where we came in is think of us as a a virtual navigator and support organization. We have everything from just general guidance all the way down to the physician's uh, access that patients need at times to, to seek help. Right. And that, that transition of care is so, is so vital and it's so, it's so, so important. It's so important. Where do you see, you know, um, where do you see that going forward? You know, what, what kind of things do you, are you guys doing to kind of help that patient through that transition? Yeah, well, I think it's doing what we know the patient needs. Now, the system of healthcare isn't quite set up to to really make our organization extremely profitable. Uh, It will be eventually when they get to something called managed care, which Mm -hmm. is everyone taking responsibility in the patient's success. So by being a, a successful part of a patient's process, you'll be incentivized for that success. And so in Octiva, our sole goal is to make sure patients are successful. And so we're in that business. Uh, The business isn't just in full swing yet. Um, But what we do is we have patients who have administrative support, what we refer to as traditional care coordination, uh, nurse support, which we refer to as case management. And then, of course, we have a a virtual provider network because the most complicated thing about healthcare is regulatory. So we don't have our own providers. We have to combine a string together a network of available telehealth organizations that provide an array of clinical coverage for different payers so that we can give patients the resources they need. So there's a, there's a lot going into building the individual support networks that patients need. Right. So it's almost like you're, you're a hub for telemedicine. Would that, would that Correct. make sense? Where, you know, if you're going into the Google of, uh, of, of healthcare needs, you know, like, where do I find this? Or how do I find this? I said, you know, just Google it, right? Um, instead of Googling it, you, if you have Octiva, we already have all the, all the pages bookmarked. We have the, the browser history to expedite the process. And so we're there already. So you don't need to think about, well, how do I get this 
um, medication paid for that I can't afford. Well, instead of you trying to look up ways to subsidize medication, we already know it. We, if we're working with you, it's because we've already established your community and we're already providing that support in that community. So we have back doors and relationships that allow us to expedite the support these patient needs versus a patient trying to navigate it on the own. Right, right. You know, you know, when, when I speak with people about telehealth or if it just comes up in conversation, the, the sense that I get is people know about telehealth. They know what it is, but a very surface level of that, they know what their, their idea of telehealth is. I can talk to my doctor on my phone or from my computer or from the comfort of my home. But there's more to that, right? So can you kind of uh, explain a little bit, you know, yes, we, we know that telehealth is a good thing, but is there more to that good thing than just being able to speak with your provider from the comfort of your home? Oh, yeah. So telehealth is, it's, it's, it's like an onion. If you remember, reference Shrek, Shrek is an onion. He has layers, okay? <laughs> right. Telehealth. Telehealth is an onion. It has layers, right? And the very top of that layer, the very surface level, level that everyone thinks about is concierge. Oh, I desire to see a doctor without leaving my house because it's convenient for me. I desire to get my medication re uh, refilled virtually because it's convenient for me. So concierge is it's where it's not really a patient necessity uh, for the flexibility that's offered by telehealth. And then you get the telehealth, you get the remote patient monitoring, which is technology uh, virtually powered to give patients the ability to be geographically dispersed and then also receive blood pressure notices, you know, review of, uh, of heart arrhythmias and all those different things that go into remote patient monitoring, which we refer to as RPG. And so then you have like, Telespecialty, you know, we also, um, you know, the very small parts of our business, but we have telepsychiatry. We have a teleintensivist organization where we we actually see patients. Uh, think about a patient who's on the ventilator for for COVID, for example. We have doctors that virtually support hospitals specifically for an intense level of care, the highest level of care you can receive. We have doctors who do that virtually, and so when you get in the, when you say telehealth. Just think about anything you would do in healthcare from the side of things that is virtual. So instead of it being, oh, I'm just getting prescription, it's everything. Uh, it's nurse support, it's care coordination. And so it, it really gets uh, uh, pretty elaborate in regards to what falls into telemedicine. And then you have tele, telemedicine, and then there's something called telemed, where it's a little different. It gets really nuancy, but it, it has its, it, it, ha it has a a different color hair for for every side of the business. And so it just depends on what people need to leverage it for. And that's what's great about it is it's so flexible. Right, right. And, you know, I, telehealth has been obviously for, for good reason, really, um, really popular the past couple of years for because of what you kind of talked about earlier the, is the pandemic and COVID-19. Right, so where do we go from here? It's obvious that there's a benefit in telehealth, in my opinion, isn't going anywhere, but any, anytime soon. But what's the future of telehealth look like, in your opinion? You know, I think that um, telehealth can be a lot like uh, cryptocurrency, right? Um, mm. And this is great because both of them are in the kind of same area of like, oh, now they're super popular, but they've been around for a little bit. Right. Um, 
when you look at like cryptocurrency and telehealth, it's from a side idea that people who really want it to be successful, some of them really want it to be 100% telehealth. Let's get rid of the idea of an office. We can do everything virtual. It's great. You know, it's like, like I said, we don't need money. We have cryptocurrency. We just go with it. Right. That's not at all. I'm, I prescribe to the hybrid model of both um, in, in my reference. And the fact is, is that telehealth has a place in healthcare and it's going to help us really make gains in some of the inequities that take place in the healthcare world, right? And the reason that's good for us is because there are a lot of patients out there that do not have access to transportation. They don't have access to specialties that their cities or metropolitan areas can't support because they just don't have the population for it. Telehealth is going to help us do that. People who have um, uh, immune compromises who need to stay in the safety of their home, it's going to help with things like that. However, it's not going to take over the place of in-person care. And I think that's one thing we got to understand is where's the balance? How do we strike the balance? At Octiva, we are, I would say it up and down, because I believe it's so true, that primary cares are the center of a patient's care journey. You know, they're the quarterback of the team, and they're there for the patient for all aspects of their journey. Some people will say, you know, we don't need primary cares anymore. You know, some prescribe to the teledoc way of life, and you can see everything virtually. That's not the case. I think we need to find how it's going to mix together, and time's going to tell. It's going to come down to not only the physician, healthcare companies, but also the politicians and the regulations. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think there needs to be a healthy balance. You know, I totally agree with you. You know, it's, it's one thing, you know, when I see patients over telehealth and we're going over, you know, their disease management or whatever the, the goals we set is one thing having that conversation when they're in person and I can, we get, I can feel, I can feel the energy or we, we can really yes. get down to it. And but there are also times where, you know, when when we're talking about equitable and, and access to care, where we may see someone that just can't make it to the hospital and they need to yeah, have that right. telehealth conversation. And that's where that's it comes right. into play. You know, I feel like there there's definitely a healthy balance there. I agree. On the website, you know, it says something about, you know, creating healthcare success stories. You know, what is that? What is a success story? Do you, if you have one on top of your mind, what does that look like? What does that mean? What does that look like to you? Or do you have any good ones? Definitely. We, we have one every week we share. Uh, we see hundreds of, hundreds of patient encounters per month. And so luckily for us, the population we support has a great opportunity for making positive impacts. And so we see a lot of Medicaid, Medi-Cal population. Mm -hmm. And so... With that, you know, I think one of the ones I use very frequently is uh, patients who, who can't afford medication. So we had a, a patient not too long ago, um, probably not the same patient because it happens so frequently, uh, but a patient who was prescribed a very expensive medication. Uh, and this patient not only was under Medi-Cal, but they just applied for Medi-Cal. So they hadn't had Medicaid before they went into the hospital. The hospital applied for them. So here is a patient being prescribed a $600 out-of-pocket cost for this medication. Um, and when we, we asked them for the follow-up, hey, have you taken your medication? No, because we can't afford it. And that right there is a simple way that Octiva can step in and ensure a patient gets the necessary 14 days of the antibiotics they need so they do not become and so there's not an exacerbation so there's not an acute episode that arises from the prescribed antibiotics that is needed 
to subdue the illness. And so, you know, something like that is so simple. I refer to it as low hanging fruit. Now, every patient we see, it's not, you know, a, an, an act of miracle that we are able to support them. Sometimes it's so simple. Medication sent to the wrong pharmacy, very common. Uh, and now the patient, well, how do I get it? You need to go back to see the doctor and they'll send to the right pharmacy. What does that require? Requires them going back to the hospital. <laughs> and so <laughs> it's a, we and so we see it as like these really small things. Like we think, oh my goodness, they must be doing great things. Now there are ones that we have that are just the details get a little crazy and we can't get into those success stories. But there are some crazy things that go on in transition that I am amazed by the way the providers and the nurses are able to handle them virtually. Uh, and it's incredible to see those successes. But really, it's the everyday hero things that really pre- prevent patients from having unnecessary complicated journeys and spending unnecessary money, both for the system and themselves, while transitioning. Yeah, and that goes back to what we were talking about before, that transition of care is it, it may seem like a small thing or low hanging fruit, but to that patient, man, that's big. Everything. Well, that's why we always say uh, one, one of my common statements are is sometimes we are the last inch for the patient, mm-hmm. uh, the extra icing on the cake. And sometimes we're the last mile for that patient. We're all they have. And so, and when we're that all the time, you know, and we come across patients who are underinsured, undocumented. Right. And where we're sitting in the patients like, hey, listen, you know, I'm not a citizen. And like, hey, listen, we're not immigration services. <laughs> so <laughs> our job is to make sure, right? Our job is to make sure that you are successful because you're going to hit the system anyways. You're you came from this hospital, you are being paid by the government. Someone's someone's incurring a cost because of your success or failure. We're here to make sure that doesn't happen. We're here to make sure you're successful. So those things, they don't matter to us. We are here for a purpose. We just have patients be successful and to make sure that our partners benefit from that success from the patients making it as well as avoiding unnecessary traffic and unnecessary readmissions. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, Cody, thank you so much for being on the podcast with me today. I truly, truly appreciated it. For anybody listening that wants to know more about your company, more about you, uh, where can they find you? Uh, LinkedIn's always a great spot. Um, you can get all of our information at OctivaHealthcare.com. But you can also find myself very active uh, on LinkedIn, uh, Cody Hall, and then Octiva Healthcare, of course. So those are the best places to get a hold of us and contact us. Awesome. Well, again, Cody, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, And everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. Uh, I'll let you next time.